From the southeastern corner of western North Carolina, this is Polklore. I'm your host, James Hernisham. My guest for this episode is running for the right to be the Democratic Party candidate for this November's election for governor of the state of North Carolina. A good number of listeners will already be familiar with Sherelle Booker, seeing as she's a Polk County native who's been a member of the Tryon Board of Commissioners since 2017. She joined the board as an appointee, but was elected a month later and has been re-elected since. She's now mayor pro tem, which is the municipal equivalent of vice president. She's also served as president of the National League of Cities Women in Municipal Government Caucus, so it's not like she doesn't have some experience outside of small-town politics. But still, to call her campaign an uphill battle would be an understatement. The current Attorney General of the state, Josh Stein, is considered the most likely winner of the primary. He's currently about 27 percentage points ahead of former NC Supreme Court Justice Mike Morgan, who is the only other candidate with a truly statewide profile. And I think it's fair to ask anyone facing such long odds, why bother running? Which I do in the interview you're about to hear. Sherelle Booker's answer comes down to simple math. Look at the other four candidates in the Democratic primary for governor, and then add them to the three Republicans who want to run the state. She's the only woman. Then take a guess at how many women are running in the primaries to represent us in the State House and the Senate and the two U.S. congressional seats that Polk County has split between. No points for knowing the right answer. Then toss in the fact that Western North Carolinians are at a bit of a disadvantage in this game. The Smoky Mountain News recently ran a long piece on this subject under the headline, Women and Westerners are rare on North Carolina's statewide ballots. Twas ever thus. However much support Sherelle Booker ends up attracting, her mere presence on the primary ballot is worth more than a passing mention, and I think our half-hour talk is worth your time. Sherelle Booker, welcome to Polklore. Thank you. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about your personal story, your experience as a try-on counselor and that kind of thing that you think people who are thinking about voting for you should know. Well, you know, James, um, politics found me. I didn't find politics. And people may, people may find this to be a little strange, but one day I was doing whatever I was doing and I had a vision, a day vision. And I was sitting in a room in a particular chair at a particular table and the room was cloudy. I could tell there were people in there and I could tell there were elements in there. So if you fast forward 14 years after that vision is when I became uh, a commissioner for the town of Tryon. And once I sat in that chair and at that particular table, it's like that vision I had years before became clear because I had didn't have an idea that that vision was leading to uh, politics. So I've been um, elected for the, the town of Tryon ever since 2017. I am the mayor pro tem as of 2019. And in my personal life, I am also uh, not just an elected official, but I work in television broadcasting uh, full time. I've done all of the production work and the, and the fun work. 
Uh, I am an award-winning producer. Right now, currently, I call myself the one-woman internal legal department, and I'm also the HR manager and a licensed North Carolina uh, realtor. But I also am a member of the National League of Cities. And for those who don't know about the National League of Cities, um, they are the voice in Washington for 200 million people covering 49 states, pretty much all of the city, towns, and villages in America. And within that company, I have uh, been on the board of directors. I've chaired several com uh, committees, and I am the the past president of women in municipal government nationally as of November the 20, I think it was the 23rd of November last year is when I became the immediate past president. So I think that I've got enough experience across the uh, nation having different meetings with people from all over talking about their issues and and how can these be solved. Um, I've been across the nation in different uh, cities and different towns, and we're always uh, discussing problems and problem solving. So I do have the national background for that um, and in the problem solving area. And I would like to use um, the knowledge gained and experience gained to apply to some of the uh, problem solving solutions for our North Carolinians. And my platform is People, Partnerships, and Unlimited Possibilities, where I intend to engage not just partners from across the United States, but I intend to engage um, our citizens, North Carolinians, uh, as partners as well. And, and I'd like to add, uh, James, uh, another reason why I am running is because I came across a, um, a quote from the Center for American Women in Politics. Pretty much it says that there's only been 49 women governors. And of those 49, only 34 were elected the first time in their own right. So that perplexed me that in the history of the United States, there have only been 49 women governors. And uh, it's not strange that if you will look at the candidates that are running for governor in North Carolina, on any ticket, I am the only female and that it, that's not strange to me because you know it's usually one maybe none but however i believe that my getting into the governor's race i believe that i am doing my part to get more women to run for elected office because that's what i have spent the last few years doing trying to get women to run for elected office well this isn't the first time you've uh tried to uh, get into a higher office right you ran for a senate uh last time around correct Yes, I ran. I ran for Senate, and I uh, did almost the same thing here. Got in. I didn't. I got in it pretty late. Um, you know, in in the candidacy part, pretty late, and it was more of uh, an experience for me. I needed to know exactly how things work on that level, and at the time, the Senate office was the one that I chose to participate in. I spent a lifetime asking people, you know, how does it work? Uh, why does it work this way? Why am I always uh, voting for people I never intended to, you know, have to vote for? And it had nothing to do with the primary. My question had nothing to do with the primary. And I'm a researcher, I'm, I'm hands-on, so I have to get into things to find out how it works for me. And that was a great experience for me. So 
Is it fair to say then that you are particularly interested in trying to change the political landscape in terms of the kind of people that that get elected to higher office? Because you you pointed out that there's not a lot of women who've been governors, and a fair bit of them were just appointed, right, or or, or stepped in to fill a vacancy well, rather than being elected. Yeah. Well, thirty four were elected on their own right. Other was, uh, you know, their husband died or, you know, something happened to the governor and the lieutenant governor, you know, became the placement. But so may I ask you a question? Yeah, please. So did you know that there were only 49 women governors in the history of the of the United States? Well, I didn't know that number, but actually I, I it, it doesn't seem unusual given the struggles that the women have had to get elected. I mean, we just have to look back to Hillary Clinton's experience when she mm-hmm. was cons- assumed to be the, the nominee for the Democratic Party, but she didn't get it mm-hmm. in 2016. Well, there's a recent article uh, from the Smoky Mountain News, and it's uh, it's about that particular subject. It's women, you know, having a harder time. I put it in those terms. I'm part of that um, article and another lady. I am the most Western uh, candidate uh, as far as the governorship, because, you know, a lot of things are centered from Charlotte, Raleigh, and uh, out to the coast. So that's pretty much of what that is about. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about that because it is not easy for Western North Carolinians to work their way into the, the power center in Raleigh, is it? No, it's uh, it's not. And you know, James, um, I've, I've been to several little events in the Raleigh, Durham, and even further area. And, you know, it takes me over four hours just to go one way. Uh, so it's like a, it's like a day job to uh, attend these events. You know, it's all, you know, all day drive, all night, really, because most of these events start at 6 p.m., maybe 6.30. But I have made my way, um, you know, that have not deterred me. And I, I don't know how many events have actually been from Charlotte back west, but I've only been to a couple of those. But yes, it's and I work. I, I work full time. So you have to be committed. And I, you know, and I'm committed and I'm also committed for the um, the the outcome. You know, a lot of times the nominee is printed up or written up earlier than anyone is even running for an office that is kind of expected. But yeah, I think that we as women, if we, if I have to break it down to women, they said that we have to be asked at least seven times. I know that to be true because I have asked several women more than once and then I don't press. But a lot of women have told me that they just can't stand the fighting and, you know, other things that just, um, you know, distracts them from what being a politician is really, really, really supposed to be about, which is the people. And so I I can't uh, convince anyone to get into office if they think that they are going to have to fight. So my answer to most of those women is not to look at the federal side of um, politics, but bring yourself back down to local and state. And I think that if women think more on those terms, that we may get more to at least run. I don't think that most of us are worried about losing per se. I think that we are generous in the fact that we like to 
have others come along with us or follow behind us or let us know that, yes, next year I will run. So I think that that, that is what we do. Uh, we try to lead, even if we fail at it. Speaking of myself personally, I will continue to do that if others are going to follow because I know eventually the numbers are going to change. Well, I do like this argument that it's self-defeating for women to say, I don't want to be part of politics because I don't like the kind of culture that, that politics is dominated by. Because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Well, it, it, it could be, but, you know, a lot of women are busy and it also matters particularly if they have children. Yeah, that's very true. I, I mean, women are usually saddled with more of the responsibility for child raising. And so they just don't have the time to yeah. build building a political profile. Right. Yeah, but that that is that is that is definitely true. What you you said uh, it can be self-defeating. But, you know, for some some people, you know, in life, they uh, determine their life by time or by years. and to spend a year or so, uh, not even three, four or four years out of their lives and not, you know, particularly win office, that is discouraging uh, for a lot of women. And then have to actually get in a physical arc argument that that is really a strong minded thing. So I don't know so much about being totally self-defeating. I think that some women think in terms of I think I can be um, more advantageous in another area uh, for, you know, not just women, but for whomever may need them. Okay. Well, so. I think, I think we've, we've covered then basically why you want to run for office, but I'm, I'm curious about your choice to run you know, a couple of years ago for Senator and now for governor, a lot of people in your position who have a, a, a track record in local politics would then, you know, go up the next step and say, run for state legislature. Like, for instance, we don't have a primary in the Democratic Party this year for this for the opposition to Jake Johnson, our current state rep. So why not? Why not run for an office like that? Well, I, I think that I am one of those women at this point. Who, too, uh, I'm considering, you know, time and what I really want to achieve in life and this may or may not be uh, my last run. I'm not saying it is. So, and I'm one of those people, James, if you're going to make a cake, make a cake, you know, <laughs> make it a wedding. It's, make it a wedding cake, you know. So uh, I, I, I will go for it. How, how about that? I will go for it. Well, it is an ambitious uh, campaign you, you set for yourself. Uh, I, I mean, you you point out you do have uh, a record of working, at, you know, not just at the local level, but at, at the national level. But it, you don't have that big a profile among the average voter out, outside of, of Polk County. So so how are you going about trying to, to raise your profile? Well, you know, the, the, the more you're out there. The more you know, people uh, will know you or, or notice you, notice you, or what have you. And like I said, if I don't win the office, it's it's not like I'm going to like just disappear and and not go on with life. I feel like, and I and I've said this before, I feel like what I am doing 
is uh, the, the next stage for the next person, or it may be, a, it could be a shy person. It doesn't necessarily have to be a woman. It could just be a shy person because I talk to more than just women, of course, and I've talked to you know young people. So sometimes you're that beacon or you're that light, you know, and they and and they say, okay, I can follow that. Um, and then you have enough. I personally have enough information where I can at least help someone get started or even get started, you know, in their younger years, you know, in their, you know, 18, 20 or what have you, and work themselves up to uh, the position that they, you know, may want to enter. So I, to answer your question directly, I am not intimidated about uh, the position that I have chosen to uh, file for. Not at all. Okay, well, I think then en enough talking about why you're running and, and what what you're running for. Let's talk about what you would do if you were the governor, because I think ultimately that's the most important question that voters should be thinking about. What are your priorities for the state? One of my main issues is housing and shelter and safety. And as a realtor, sometimes it's hard for me to work in the professional environment and help people find um, housing that is affordable. So that is one of the, the uh, issues I would definitely want to tackle as um, a governor. But I see myself, James, with, uh, say, a black board or a white board with all of the issues written on them engaging partners from around you know the united states and of course north carolinians as partners also and i could see us without with you know getting those marked off as they you know as we go along those old old issues that was probably there before you and i were born uh, no, yeah no doubt these these issues go back a very long time yeah, a long time. So I think that if if you visually can see them, you know, all at once, you can you can make a decision of where you need to go, where you need to start. And and like I said, engaging North Carolinians who may have uh, expert expertise in a circuit uh, certain area that would help. And our citizens will know that they are part of their government. Because I am not a me, myself, and I type of government. I know that it is a we governors. It's we who live in, the, um, in North Carolina. And I have to be careful because sometimes I'll go to the national level and make a instance here. Uh, education, that's very, very important. I think that keeping up with uh, technology, not just AI. I think that uh, it would just please me and thrill me if our kids were learning robotics and, you know, business ownerships and civics. Civics is really a huge one for me because if you learn how to live in your neighborhood and in your town, then you will know how to live in or operate in the next city or town that you go to. And if you decide to run for office, everybody should at that point have an idea of how you know cities work and how um, uh, North Carolina work and so on and so forth. And I think that the person who is elected will have a better chance of helping the citizens themselves because the citizens know what to expect and the elected uh, official know what to expect from the citizens. So that is really huge to me. And I no, most people don't think about this, and it is not at the top of my list, but the survival of trees. You know, the more uh, communities that are built, um, 
I would particularly like to have our hardwoods um, not cut down or taken down or however they want to do that because in the long run we're going to going to need our trees not just for um, the air that we breathe but we talk about global warming i think that the trees are you know pretty stable in the area of helping with that love to do as a governor in, in but particularly engage north carolinians in the process Okay, I want to go back to your your mention of education because 20 years ago, North Carolina had a reputation as being a very powerful state when it came to education. That was one of the things mm-hmm. that if you didn't come from North Carolina, you knew North Carolina had good schools and not just good universities, but but good high schools and, and elementary schools. But lately, it seems that the Republican Party has been making a big effort to divert funding away from the public school system towards a private school system, you know, with all the vouchers that they have just introduced. What are your thoughts on uh, the state's responsibility to shepherd a good public education system? Well, you do know that the um, North Carolina Constitution kind of underscores the importance of education and um, us as a state making sure that our kids are educated, educated well. So as far as our public education, I think that it's okay to help the other schools, but we should be funded, definitely be funded in the area of public because that's where most of our kids are. That's where most of our kids that are going to turn into adults and live here in North Carolina or anywhere else. We want our kids uh, well educated, and guess what? It puts uh, uh, that gold star back on um, on the education system here in North Carolina. And as far as uh, a particular party wanting to go the uh, another direction, it's hard for me that everybody. And I know that you stick together as a party mostly, but it's hard for me in the form of uh, education that everybody that's in one party would agree not to fund uh, public schools. Uh, I I am behooved by that. All right. The last thing I wanted to cover was kind of more of an abstract notion, uh, but it's for me, it's raised by the fact that you're running as a bit of an outsider. You don't get the kind of attention that the the main candidates for governor in the Democratic Party, mostly Josh Stein, who I think everyone assumes is going to be the nominee, you know, you don't get that kind of attention. What do you think of the way in which parties are facing, uh, you know, insurgent campaigns that the Democrats at the federal level have got people like Cornell West or uh or for independents like JFK Jr. and Jill Stein for the Green Party, uh, it, it mm-hmm. seems like parties are having a little bit of difficulty of getting everybody on the same page. And I, I'm not sure you're completely on the same page as everyone else in the higher establishments of the Democratic Party. How do you see that latest trend? Well, um, you know, there have been other parties in our history but there's no judgment here because i believe that the three people that you just mentioned uh, i believe they feel discouraged and i also believe that what they are doing is right for themselves 
and they think that there are others that uh, are having that same thought. So I think that they are trying to lead the way for people who think a little different from, uh, like you said, the higher up in the parties. So perhaps they think that uh, if they can't make a way in for different parties, it's like I said before, maybe they think that it's enough people that's going to come behind them and change that. But yeah, I just think that they are probably discouraged and just want to go another direction or, or feel more in the, um, independent. But I'd, I'd like to say this, um, James, this is a quote from Miss Nina, because you know Miss Nina is from the birthplace of Tryon. And I found this quote, and I think it's perfect for this time for people who are feeling discouraged. Um, at this crucial time in our lives, when everything is so desperate, when every day is a matter of survival, I don't think you can help but be involved. So with that quote from Ms. Nina, I think that the three people that you mentioned earlier, I think that they are just trying to find a way to be involved, um, to be heard. And like I said, I, I, I have no judgment there. Well, I, I I hope no one's assuming that, or or you're assuming that I'm trying to draw, uh, you know, a comparison with between you and and say JFK Jr., who seems to be, you know, a, a, somewhat of a marginal character who could be disrupting a very very important election. Uh, in, in um, you are running within the Democratic Party on the Democratic, you know, world, um, and I mm -hmm. assume you will support the nominee whoever wins. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yes, yes, yes. I I I say that yes with a exclamation mark. Yes, I will support the person that wins the nomination for North Carolina governor. I say that publicly. So for worst case scenario is you run and you manage to attract a little bit of attention, if not more, and set an example for other folks who might also feel that they, that uh, it's good to see a woman, a woman of color, running for the top post in the state. Well, I I never go that that racial route uh, route. I never go there, um, in a sense, but. I think in this case, with there only being 49 women uh, in the United States for governor, it is, I think it's a good thing to see at least one woman stand out there and be brave enough to stand out there. Like, like I said, I am not intimidated. Uh, I just hope that other women, uh, you know, follow my lead. And I don't know, I don't know, James, when there, the last time that a woman on any side ran for a governor. I don't know who, and you mentioned person of color or people of color. I don't know if there's ever been a woman of color to run for governor in uh, North Carolina. So I don't know if I'm the first, I don't know if there was one, you know, ages ago, but I would like to know, to uh, actually know that. Well, hopefully uh, after this primary, at least people will be aware that someone uh, like yourself is making an effort to change history. Well, James, you know that if a woman never get in the race for governor of North Carolina, like I said, I don't know uh, how many there have been. Uh, we won't, I know we've had uh, 
one woman. But that's been a little while ago. But if no one ever runs again or the next person doesn't run after me, the next woman, then we won't have a woman to try every time there's an election for governor here in in, uh, North Carolina. And I think that maybe they're waiting for a particular one. Maybe someone's being uh, groomed. I don't know. But eventually, I know that we will have another one as long as we continue to run. Well, I got to say, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you for this podcast is when I did look at that long list of candidates for the Republican and Democratic primaries, you're it when it comes to female candidates. And that that was a little bit surprising. I mean, it's it's 2024. And you'd think that perhaps there would have been at least one woman uh, from each party. Right. So uh, on behalf of those of us who who like to see diversity in our candidate list, thanks. Did you say things? Or I said thank you. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. You, you, it kind of cut off on my end. Yeah, James, you are more than welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, it's like Cheryl, thanks so much for your time and good luck in the campaign. Thank you and thank you for this interview, James. All right. And there's the case for faithful representation in politics. In case you're wondering, I haven't invited any of the other candidates for governor to appear in folklore mostly because this episode's guest is the only one from Polk County, but also because I doubt any of them would be able to fit me into their schedule. Even Sherelle couldn't find the time to meet in person, which is how I've done all my other interviews so far, because she's too busy working her job at WGGS-TV in Greenville. Anyway, it's not as if it's hard to find out from other sources everything you need to know about Josh Stein and Mark Robinson, the two men who appear as certain to win their primaries as Joe Biden and Donald Trump are to win theirs. If you haven't already cast a primary ballot during early voting, you still have time. In-person voting day is March 5th. As always, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share on what this podcast should be doing and whom I should be talking with, email them to jameshh at Thanks for listening.